podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. I'm Imran. And I'm Ed. Three of us convening here, uh, midweek, Thursday night. Obviously, it's international week, no games going on, so we left it a couple of extra days to record. Uh, plus, you guys all had our emergency Ronaldo podcast, which we threw up earlier in the week. If you missed that one, make sure you get on it, because, yeah, everybody was very excited about his arrival. Um, but, yeah, we're going to go through quickly on the Wolves game, even though it was a few days ago, round off the transfer window stuff, have a quick chat on some of the international matches, and then, yeah, look ahead to our next game, which will be Newcastle. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's actually going on tonight, so we might as well just start with the international stuff. Uh, we just saw England today, and uh, Imran, you, I think you said you were watching, it actually wasn't, to be honest. And uh, what Maguire's had a goal from a sure assist, right? Yep, I haven't been watching it, actually. I've just been following it on uh, online. But uh, shot, Maguire scored from, uh, headed from a short corner. I assume it was a header, because for some reason, England for England, Maguire can actually use his head quite well. Um, mm. And then other than that, it's just been marred by, I think the Hungry fans booed the knee and throwing things and just generally being, you know, what you would expect from a, a game away in Hungary. Yeah, I mean, the, the kind of level of disinterest in this international break, it just, you know, after England had gone all the way to the final, to go back to these kind of qualifying matches and all just seems like a kind of a bit of a waste of time. Mm. Uh, well, it's it's just crap because your season's only three games in. At least yeah. let the season get started and then have a break. Yeah, I, I mean, I I I'm uh, I like international football more than most, I think. But even like, yeah, this is a this is always the worst one. Just as the season's getting started, and then it's just a a break that no one really wants or needs. Um, so you just kind of get through it, I guess. But at least yesterday we had uh, yeah. we we got to have a preview of Ronaldo, so that was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, that was actually some interesting news. Uh, he did miss a penalty, but then scored to break that record he'd been going for. Um, and then, yeah, we're not sure if he's taken his shit off on purpose to get a yellow card so he can actually come back and should be available for Newcastle, right? Because uh, he's now suspended for their next game, I think. I think he'd yeah. have been available anyway. Um, but now he just means he can train with the lads all week because he'll just mm-hmm. leave the Portugal camp and come to us. I don't, I don't, I, I, I'm not sure what they're rules about quarantine and international football are anymore to be honest with you i imagine he'll be double vaccinated by now so he wouldn't have to isolate anyway i don't know like i said you can't keep up with it all nowadays and uh, you know there's quite a bit of controversy about some of the south americans enough going off and i think now officially cavani is not going thankfully um which would have been crazy if he had gone seeing as he came back late has played like you know, one sub appearance. If he then like disappeared and had another like three matches missed from quarantine, it would have been pretty ridiculous, to be honest. FIFA have threatened to prevent um, Premier League clubs from playing South American, well, players that have been refused to leave for internationals for at least a game. Ah, look, there is all a bit of kind of it's all politics. This stuff, you know, yeah. of asking for like British government to make dispensation and all that. But I don't know. Anyway, like I say, it's all the headaches that you have in international football it makes this kind of international break so early even more annoying and even more ridiculous uh you know when we have people flying around 
It's a good job Fred's not gone because Brazil are playing Peru the day before we play Newcastle. So I don't know what our midfield would look like if Fred had gone international duty on against Newcastle. <laughs> we might have bought a midfielder, to be fair. To be fair, against Newcastle, I don't think it'll matter, but we'll come on to that. Yeah, yeah, we will definitely come mm. on to that. I mean, uh, let I mean the main thing for this one is obviously that our players come through unscathed. There's still several other matches to come. So yeah, let, I mean Sancho is already injured. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a serious one or if he's uh, just been taken out of the firing line or what exactly. Uh, you know, there was some kind of controversy over Greenwood not being picked because Southgate kind of came out and said, like, on form, I would have picked him, but after chatting with the club, we haven't done. So I don't know whether that's some kind of just agreement to let him, because he did have some injury from the Euros, just get over that. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see how that all turns out there. That, and, um, well, they've, they've said that they were managing an injury throughout last season as well, so it could be related to that. Yeah, look, I just hope that just glad maybe there is some kind of sense going on there at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't want them going away. Like you see, Rashford went away and obviously spent all that time at the Euros and then now has been missing so far this season. Although I heard he's doing pretty well in his recovery and is already back in training and might be back sooner than was originally expected, which is good news. Uh, see where he slots in when he comes back. But yeah, if we look back just briefly, our last game was Wolves, and I know it was a few days ago now. But yeah, since last time we recorded, we played that game and uh, I think we got away with one there, really. Um, I, you know, I always like to look at the XG and the XG says it should have really probably been a 2-1 win to Wolves. I mean, 1.8 to mm. Wolves versus 0.9 for us. Uh, yeah, we were pretty lucky to keep a clean sheet for sure. But yeah, look, at the end of the day, we get the three points. I mean, is that the way you saw it, Ed? Um, I, I wouldn't say we were lucky. and I, I... I think nil nil would probably have been a fair result. Wolves certainly squandered opportunities, but like even Graham Souness talked some sense. And Adam Traore, he looks good, he looks really strong, but there's very little end product there. And you know, it can boss boss um our our line, you know, back line all all day long, but he's he doesn't really create that many opportunities. And the opportunities that he does create, that few and far between, in my opinion. I don't know. I thought they had quite a few good chances, and uh, De Gea had like one double save. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. our goalkeeper situation is still going to be interesting because Henderson is now finally back in training. And to me, it looked like at the end of last season that Ole had decided Henderson was going to be number one. Uh, but I think De Gea started the season pretty well, don't you think, Imran? I mean, he's been brilliant. Can't can't fault him in the first three games. Yeah, we've conceded, we conceded in our first two games, but I don't think any goals were his fault. And that double save was just De Gea of old. Uh, shades of that Arsenal double save from Lacazette and Sanchez all those years ago. So, I mean, I've, I've, I'm firmly in the De Gea should be our number one camp, just more so because I don't rate Henderson as highly as other people do. And I still think De Gea has something in there. I don't think he's become a, a terrible keeper over the course of what a season and a bit. It was quick off his line as well. Yeah, I mean, there was that one time where he swept because I think it was Fred, not for the first time, was looking like he was going to get outpaced and De Gea was off his line to sweep that up. But it was, he got man of the match. And I mean, really, he only did make those, that two saves. But when it's a save like that, I think you kind of earn your man of the match just from, because that, that really does keep you in the game. It's the type of save that I like to go back to saves that not every keeper makes. Because often you see great mm. saves and you think, oh, it's a great save, but actually, probably most keepers save that. But that's the kind of save because of like the circumstances. Not every keeper's up so quickly. 
and not every keeper has a strong wrist to keep that out. So it's not a save that every keeper makes, and we're fortunate that the hair can make those sort of saves. I mean, I was actually happy that Ole kind of made that transition towards Henderson. It's what I wanted to happen. I thought it was the right thing to happen last season. But now you can't take De Gea out. He's going to keep that spot for sure, just on form. Yeah. Uh, so then I, I guess we then go back to this kind of, you know, having a cup goalie, having a league goalie, rotating, which, and you know, I don't think is the ideal scenario. But I, I didn't go too badly last season, I suppose. I, I think this De Gea you don't drop. But the De Gea of last season, sort of, the both De Gea and Henderson are going to make mistakes, and um, it's just going to be different types of goals that you concede with either keeper. I, I think like last season's De Gea is probably on par with the current Henderson. Yeah, look, we'll have to see. Like I say, it's something that's going to play out this season. I kind of thought it was something that was dealt with last year, but yeah, it's, we're still not done with that situation with the Nets. And then, uh, you know, the midfield is the constant uh, discussion point for us. And again, at Wolves, it was a big issue. Um, he's, you know, gone with Fred and Pogba. Did you see, did you think it seemed like a different setup, Imran? I mean, a lot of people had been, and even I had said that, look, once Varane comes in, we should be, the theory is that we should be more solid at the back, that then we don't need two kind of more defensive midfielders sat in front. Maybe we just need one and can play with Pogba and Bruno pushing on. Um, I don't know how clear it is whether, you know, Pogba was still playing a double pivot with Fred or whether Ole is trying to go towards a more progressive system. It's still not that clear, but definitely, you know, he is trying to do something different from, you know, Fred Matic, the game before nobody was happy with. This time, Fred Pogba still didn't work out that well. You just see how open we are and how many kind of chances Wolves did create. Yeah, and plus Bruno's playing so high up that he's nowhere near Pogba, really. So you can't really call it a a 4-3-3 just because Bruno is so high up. He's almost the second striker, if not at points in line with the striker, that it's not Pogba's much deeper. And then it didn't help that Fred had probably an all-time stinker, like one of the worst games I've ever seen Fred have. And, I mean, bless Fred, I love him, but he's capable of having a, a shocker in his locker, and that was that really was one. I, don't, I just thought it was one of the worst performances I've seen, um, constantly just getting run past like he wasn't there. In the second half, Traorma would just fa- Traore would just face him up and just literally just knock it past him like he's not even there. Uh, and that, and then when his game goes to bits, then his passing also goes to bits. And his passing is not his best attribute at the best times anyway. But yeah, his passing was poor and just not a great game for Fred. And if Fred's not having a great game, then you are going to struggle in that midfield. Yeah, and especially if he's the only one, like, and yeah, definitely, especially that first half, he was absolutely useless. There was that one point where, like, you know, he basically fluffed a clearance and we were lucky again. It was like a one-on-one with De Gea uh, to get away with that one. I mean, yeah, I do always like to look at those average position charts to kind of look at how the formation might be moving on. And normally, when you look at it, for example, Fred and Matic the week before, they were very much in line when it's Fred and McTominay, they're always in line. If you go and look at that average position chart, and if I get around to it, I might post it up on Twitter, you can see that Pogba is quite fair way advanced from where Fred is. Uh, so maybe they are playing a double pivot with a slightly kind of one is told you have to sit a bit more. But yeah, it's definitely not the same as when we've had McFred or even Fred and Matic. You can see a difference when you look mm. at the kind of average position, how it works out there. But yeah, you are right, the Bruno is uh, way up there and he's, you know, our second 
or kind of third most advanced player, even further forward than Sancho over there. Um, to be fair, though, I think um, it, certainly in the second half, we, we were sort of playing Popper as a quarterback and he was trying to ping balls in behind. Yeah, which also kind of happened at the end of that Southampton game. Uh, where you know Ole kind of dropped him back in because we weren't managing to link up that midfield with attack, and we've seen him do that well in the past. But lately, I do think you know more and more Pogba has looked better and doing the best things for us when he is in that more attacking role. Uh, you know how that works out when you still have Sancho, and if um, Rashford is coming back in, we'll have to still remains to be seen. <clears throat> um, but yeah, look, which I think the main thing is that we did get the three points there, and then we had those debuts finally that everybody's been waiting for from Varane and Sancho. I mean, how did you think they fared over there, Imran? I mean, Varane was a classy operator. He can't, I mean, just a great debut for him. Yeah, they had chances, and yeah, he got beaten at the corner for the header, but overall, you have to say it was a pretty assured performance from him and mm. just looked very comfortable with the pace and. English game, so that was a very encouraging to see, and you'd only imagine it'll get stronger from there. Um, yeah. Sancho, not great, but you know he's a young lad. Uh, first full debut, can't expect the world from him straight away. Maybe you'd expect a bit better than that, but it's first game. He's only going to get better. Um, and plus, you can't be that worried about Sancho because, like I said, he's got bags of talent. He's young, and ultimately, we've got so many people for those positions up front that. We can almost afford for him to not hit the ground running because there's just so many other options we can bring in instead. Um, especially now we've got Ronaldo and yeah, I, I'm not I'm not worried about Sancho even if that wasn't a great performance. No, I thought he showed flashes, Sancho. He, there was a few decent runs where he retained possession and sort of drove the play on to the edge of their area. So it pitted out of it, but he, I thought he wasn't great, but he certainly showed flashes of what he can do and what he probably will do. Yeah, I have to say that I've been a little bit disappointed by Sancho. Maybe I had too much expectation. I really did expect him just to come straight in and start doing his thing. Uh, did think it's slightly weird that he starts Sancho on the left and Daniel James on the right, when in a way you'd think both of them should be more naturally playing the other way around. Yeah, but he does like James on the on the right for some reason, even though James is a lot better on the left. And we signed Sancho as a right way. I, I knew as soon as we signed Sancho as a right winger, I knew he'd start playing games on the left wing. That's basically what <laughs> happens with us. We find right wingers and yeah. let's shove them on the left wing. Uh, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna end the season with like five left wingers somehow. Um, we're gonna find out that Greenwood actually likes playing on the left as well. Um, but yeah, it's it just just a Ole thing, isn't it? I mean, we'll get on to it, but obviously Dan James has left now. But yeah, we'll talk a bit more about the transfers after just rounding off the. Wolf stuff. I mean, the other one we saw the first appearance from this season was Cavani, who came on for the last 40 minutes or so. And um, Ed, I mean, what, how do you think Cavani feels about Ronaldo coming in? Because I think he probably thought he's coming in and going to be more or less number one striker, maybe rotating with Mason up front. And now all of a sudden, Cristiano Ronaldo comes in. Do you think he's going to be happy about that? Do I have another quality player in there? Or do you think it's going to annoy him? No, I th I think he's going to be happy about that. He's a consummate professional, Scrani. I th I think that I think there there was talk of him going to Barcelona, but apparently he turned all that down. So no, I think he'll be be pleased to have the competition, and um, I I think he'll want to win something with the club. And Ronaldo being in the team will help that. I mean, didn't Cavani used to play on the wing for PSG, didn't he as well? Yeah, I think so. 
I think when he was quite a bit younger, I mean, I would be surprised to see him playing anything under the number nine for us. But I guess it is an option if it's needed at some point. I think he played sort of the David Viral for Barcelona for PSG sort of thing, where he'd come in off the wing and sort of end up in the box. Yeah. Just because, I mean, Ronaldo, you'd imagine, will start pretty much every game, never be subbed off, so... Do you? Do you? I don't. I. I. I don't imagine that at all. To be honest, not at his age, but Ronaldo in it. He likes to start all the time. Yeah. Throws a strop when he gets sent subbed off. Will Will Ole sub him off? I mean, I guess it's easy to sub him off when we're winning two or three nil. I guess, but how often do we ever win two or three? two or three nil up. <laughs> do you reckon he'll be player manager by the end of the season? Probably. Um, <laughs> just. I mean, it's one of the issues you have, not issues, but it's a thing with Ronaldo, you know, he, he likes to, he, he keeps himself in such shape that he can start every game. Yeah, no, I think him, Ushwin was saying that um, he and Zidane had a sort of understanding where he didn't necessarily start every game, but he played every game for Madrid and he came on as a sub. So I imagine his games will be managed. Yeah, it will mm. be interesting to see. and. You know, uh, talking about Cavani and Ronaldo, there has been this thing about the shirt numbers. And now, you know, the conspiracy theorists say the only reason we sold Dan James is to get that 21 that Cavani's happy to take because he wears that for Uruguay so that he would give up the seven for Ronaldo. And that's actually exactly what's happened now. Uh, Ronaldo is reclaiming his seven shirt. Cavani's going to go to 21. Uh, like I say, I, I don't know how much these things matter to players. Some players, apparently, you know, Martial famously i think was a bit put out when he was asked to give up a shirt uh so yeah look we'll have to see how these little things play in the season but look uh, we kind of can i just say there is few things in life that i care less about than sh- shirt football numbers i just don't like when people care about ask say oh what, what shirt number is gonna be i do not care it is a number on the back <laughs> of a shirt who gives a flying fuck i know loads of people yeah, I, I really get interested in it but my god I do not care. This is my this is my Roy Keane moment, I think. But oh. no, look, I absolutely do not care in the slightest whatsoever. But I think maybe yeah, to players possibly it yeah. is more important. But yeah, you know, especially you know, some there's a lot of things, isn't there, around like marketing rights and being connected to certain numbers. Uh, and you know, at Manchester United, that number seven shirt is obviously of extreme. Uh, significance, although yeah, we had that kind of period for a while where we had Michael dud Owen. after dud after dud. Uh, well, not even Owen. Owen was actually probably relatively okay compared <laughs> to some of the other number sevens we've had since then. Uh, you know, like we had the whole list of terrible sevens, whether it was uh, Sanchez, Depay, Di Maria. Um, you know, it's been a kind of list, and it seemed like Cavani was going to be the first one for a while who actually did it justice. But yeah, he's going and giving that shit up already. He did do it justice, to be fair. Yeah, I thought he did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, we're on to the transfer stuff. So look, the kind of main news that happened in the last days of the transfer was Dan James leaving. Um, I think uh, Auschwitz had actually called that on the last pod. He said, now mm. that Ronaldo's come in, I think James will leave and the other guys weren't so sure. And uh, it, it did, only started him in two out of three of our first matches. So it seems mm. like he was a big part of his plans. Uh, so I don't know whether it's just, look, we needed to get somebody out and offer came in for him. What I mean, Leeds have definitely had an interest in him for ages. Uh, you can watch that. There's that Leeds Amazon documentary where Dan James was sat there on deadline day, I think three or is it four years ago, ready to sign. 
And at the last minute, they couldn't agree a fee or something with Swansea, and he had to leave uh, Ellen Road without completing that transfer and sign for us the summer after. Um, but now, yeah, finally they are getting him. Um, I think it's a good deal for us at that kind of money, uh, more than we paid for him. And I think it's the first time in many years that we've actually sold a player for a decent amount of money. I think if if all the bonuses go through or something, he'll be like our third or fourth most expensive sale, I think. Something like that. I think uh, I think he's already like the fourth or you know, there's only like yeah, it's like a Lukaku, Di Maria, and something Ronaldo. else I've forgotten. Ronaldo. Yeah, Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah, that, that Ronaldo. That one. I think it's literally, there's, I think there's a few maybe who went around 20-ish and it's not sure on euros versus pounds and things. But yeah, uh, you know, but yeah, I think that maybe is more of a sign of just how awful we are mm. at selling players and getting any decent kind of value for our, for our fringe players. It does, it does slightly concern me that if we hadn't got Ronaldo, we'd have kept Dan James, right? At which point, why yeah. should we not be selling Dan James if at Leeds want to give us 25, 30 million regardless? Like, that seems mad to me. If Leeds want to buy Dan James for 25, 30 million quid, sell him. I don't care if we got Ronaldo or not. That's, that's a crazy fee for James. I mean, really good for us. And it's good for Leeds. Like, they get their player and he's a decent player and he'll do well. I, I, I'd hope he does well. He's a good lad, but... Mm. It's, it's slightly bizarre to me that we would have to wait and to buy Ronaldo to sell James for that sort of fee. We should be like biting clubs' arms off for that fee. I'll, I, I was just going to say, I think part of why our transfer fees received are so low is because United's the pinnacle. When a player's leaving United, it's because they're no longer required. So, you know, the, their fee's generally not going to be huge because they're going down, down a level. Mm. And we sell at the wrong time. Like if we hadn't sold James well, now, yeah, yeah. we'd have probably sold him in two years and it would have been half the money. Yeah, probably. So, you know, we actually sold this player at the right time and get a good fee. Like I say, it just, just mystifies me that we wouldn't have done it anyway, but I, I'm just a moaner today, apparently. I'm just complaining about things. But it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing that he's good gone. Like he, no, he did well no, for I us. do think, you know, it's a, it's a big thing how poor the club has been at selling players. I mean, this summer, I think a lot of people expected that maybe Andres Pereira, Jesse Lingard, uh, Diogo Dallo, that we would probably sell these players and bring in decent cash. And uh, I think one of the biggest problems is that we give players such high salary packages that nobody else wants to match it and they don't want to take pay cuts. So then we're mm. in the scenario where we could sell somebody and still have to pay some of their wages, which is not a great deal at all. Or, you know, that's, that's the major issue. I think I'm sure that is why some of these players have not gone Whereas you see teams like Chelsea, even Liverpool, they sell like kind of fringe young players and seem to get 20 million, even like, you know, Chelsea, what, Zuma went, uh, Tomayori, they're getting like 25, 30 million for them. Whereas, you know, our equivalents who maybe are like Dallo and stuff like that, we, they've not left. We've still got them over there. Mm. I think as well, they like Liverpool, especially just take a chance. On, they just sell their youngsters. For example, if, I think if James Garner, good player, but if it was Liverpool, they'd probably have sold him by now. You get that money in, you put a buyback clause in there in case he does become something, and then you just sell him and get that money. Like, yeah, but well, it's all well and good thinking that Ghana might make it, you know, but ultimately, how many of our youth products actually do make it, especially around that age? Like, very difficult. And you just, you just kind of sell and you take that chance. But not, not many make it, not many will make it at United, but, you know, we've got a rich history. Most, most Premier League players are from United's academy. 
They are, but we don't we don't tend to sell them. It's, they tend to go, either go on for cheap or move on or leave. So that's what I'm saying. Like we got, with someone like Garner, and I'm just picking him as an example here. You could sell him for fifteen million, something like that. Put a buyback clause in there of double that, and you just you take that money, you take that chance. Uh, yeah, I mean. I, the logic in me says that's probably the best business decision in terms of a transfer strategy, but also the, the romantic side of me of a player coming through the ranks, making his, making his name at the club and then, you know, being a one-club player, ideally, is, is you know, that I, I don't want to lose that. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to give those players who come through, like, all right, let's take Garner, for example, I want to give him every chance to have a go at making it as a Manchester United player. And, yeah. you know, I do think that players like Pereira has had more than enough chances and it's clear that he's never going to be. And, you know, that's why he needs to leave. But players like Garner, they're still building up. You know, he's had like a decent loan. Now he's gone back to Forest again. He's signed a new contract. So, you know, they do want him to come back and have some kind of chance. That is sometimes the problem. Though. They give them these new contracts on very high money and then it becomes difficult to, like, sell them after that. Mm. Um, but I, I do want to see him get a chance. And then, you know, we've got other ones. Williams is the only one who's got a Premier League loan. Uh, did see him mess up quite mm. badly, actually, for the one goal for Norwich City. But I think apart from that, I heard he had an all right game. And then, yeah, we've got quite a few players who are playing yeah. now in the championship and yeah look i just hope they get their game time sorry ghana's a ghana's not the best example a better example would be Twanzebe. because how old is Twanzebe now 20 like when you get into that age and you're not a united first teamer what are the chances of you actually becoming yeah. a united first teamer like sell him well no yeah i agree with that but you by that age you've either made it or you've not it's and I just not... think, I mean, it's hard to say because we don't know. Maybe no one wanted to buy him. But I just feel like that's the kind of player. You, yeah, he's good. He's decent. But you just, you get, and plus, like, I think Fanzabi's stock is still fairly high with regards to, like, he went to, an, he went to Aston Villa, who are, uh, you know, a club wanting to do things in the Premier League, move, definitely got more upward mobility. So, you know, it's just, that's the kind of player we just learn and don't sell, apparently. But yeah, Pereira, definitely. And, Oh, what happened? What Mr. Lingard now? What Lingard just sits on our bench for a year? To me, and it's not. I, yeah, you 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 would hope at probably at the beginning you get what fifteen twenty million for him because that's what he's worth. But I mean, towards the end of the window, surely you take like ten because how much is Lingard worth to us? Sat on a bench, paying paying wages for a year for him to leave on a free at the end of it, unless we're going to tie him down to a contract. But then what's the point of that? But if he doesn't want to go to the destinations that have come in for him, then... that is also true. I do feel like I'm sure I'm sure you could have sold Lingard for ten million. I'm sure someone would take yeah. him take him for ten million. It could well be that he doesn't want to leave. Like, and I, I could, from Lingard's perspective, I can totally understand why he wouldn't want to leave. Because for him, this year is like a free hit. Right, he's got one more chance to prove that he can be a Man United player and get a new contract, or he leaves on a free transfer, which is going to be way better for him. Yeah, but he wants to get in the England squad for the World Cup, which is. You know, almost twelve months away. It's never going to happen. Yeah, I mean, the, the the World Cup is actually next winter. I've heard other people say this, but the World Cup is not next summer. That it's next no, winter. No, next winter. So even if he doesn't play, you know, if he doesn't play that much, maybe he'll push for something more in like January. We'll see. We'll see from there. Uh, in January, he can sign a pre-contract. Yeah, I I do think though that Ole what has told him that he wants him to be part of the squad. 
and that is part of his plans. I mean, he obviously had a really great end of the season at West Ham last year, who you know playing to level that we hadn't seen for a couple of years. Um, but yeah, the only question mark is how much actually opportunity will he get to play because we have a lot of attacking players. Um, but yeah, maybe he sees him as that backup, like kind of number 10 around to Bruno. I think that's the kind of impression I'm getting, that he sees Lingard as the kind of Bruno backup, basically. To be fair, he's played more than Van der Beek so far this season. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he has. Um, So yeah, he's one there. And then it looks like, you know, there was a lot of interest in Trippier, but that didn't happen. So he's stuck with Dallow. I actually don't mind Dallow as a squad option. I think he's done all right. He's no world beater, but I think as part of the squad, he can play left or right when needed. You know, he's still young. Mm. I, I'm not that. I don't have that much issue with him not having left personally. But I don't know what you feel about Dallo Imran. I'd rather he didn't come on at the 90th minute when we're trying to hold a one 0 lead against Wolves. <laughs> I think uh, other than that, I don't really mind if he's just going to be a backup. But yeah, let's, and immediately let's, let's, pick up a yellow card. <laughs> immediately just <laughs> swipe someone out and start doing step overs <laughs> and turning the wrong way and all that. <laughs> One of the de- like Oli, Oli and substitutions. It, I could I could write a dossier on Oli and substitutions. Uh, that was a that was a bizarre one. Um, but yeah, I don't know. He'll play in cup games, I guess. It'll be a bit a bit sad again that we'll once again have a. Cause he's not going to displace Wambisaka at the end of the day. Like Wambisaka has no. sufficiency, but Dallow is nowhere near as as good as Wampsaka as an overall right back. Um, so he's not going to displace him and we'll just have another season of not the most penetrative right back area, but you'd hope maybe Sancho on the right wing or Greenwood at the right wing as he's done so far this season will have that penetration that you don't need an attacking fullback, but it would have been, it would have been nice to have one, but and we can make do with Dallow. That's not the, not the biggest crime of our transfer windows, keeping Dallow instead of spending what, 40 million on Trippier, I think. That's a good decision from the club to just keep it as yeah. it is. He's better than Brandon Williams as well. So, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think there was a lot of people who, after James left, were hoping that that meant we were going to spend money on another midfielder. I personally did not expect it. I thought after Ronaldo came in that we were going to be done. And I, I also think that a lot of the kind of speculation of us going for a midfielder has been kind of online. I've not seen anything really strong out there linking us with anyone. I think the club are probably looking at players and know that definitely by next kind of year, we're going to be having to upgrade over there. But I actually don't think that it was really top, top of the list, whereas a lot of our fans think it should have been like number one on the list. But yeah, I wasn't surprised at all that we came out uh, without having signed anybody. I know there was links to, yeah, Neves, especially after that Wolves game a lot of people were talking about and I know I'd done a kind of preview with some Wolves guys on their podcast the week before and they were saying that yeah he is top top player and would be ready to move like uh, a step up although yeah they they didn't call it a step up to be honest but yeah obviously we think that um but yeah I wasn't that surprised I mean Ed did you had had you would did you still have that hope that we might have bought in that last minute midfielder I mean I was hopeful but I didn't expect it and then when James went, I thought, well, maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe maybe we've sold someone to bring bring someone in. But no, no. Uh, yeah, I didn't really expect expect another midfielder. The only thing I thought we might do was hijack the Sol loan 
but mm. that's the only thing I thought yeah. might happen, but it didn't look like it was going to happen. Yeah, I did actually think that might be possible as well. And uh, even though he's not really that kind of defensive midfielder that a lot of people have been begging for, he would have definitely improved our midfield for sure. And yeah, it was a bit sad to see a player of that quality go to Chelsea. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see how he turns out in the Premier League here. Um, but, you know, we will talk about now that the transfer window is shut about our kind of season's expectations. And I know that a lot of our fans think that because we haven't bought in another midfielder that we're not going to challenge for the league or anything. I still think that we can do. I think there's been a bit too much made about this whole midfield thing. I think, you know, it is still a problem. We have not got the clear solution there. Uh, you know, we see at the moment, as soon as McTominay's out, it is a problem because for two matches now, we've not played well in midfield. Um, so, yeah, there is still something there to sort out. But, yeah, I think Ole needs to just find that fine balance there. Um, I, Fred often seems to be a bit lost without McTominay somehow. They're like a good partnership. And I think, you know, they were much maligned, McFred. But I think now that we don't have them, you actually see what we do miss them. Uh, you know, Ole's tried Fred Matic, he's then tried Fred Pogba, and neither have been so brilliant so far. Um, I don't know, yeah, Imran, what, do you think that midfield is going to be ultimately our weakness and stoppers like pushing on this year? Probably. Um, it's just, it, it's a weak part of our team, and I think it's clear. They can, they can have good days, obviously, um, like against Man City, for example. McFred can really take hold, but it's just a bit, it can be a problem in other games when we, we just look like we can't pass five yards and Jamie for us has an aneurysm at the passing standards. Um, <laughs> I guess the problem with Fred, when he's not with, when Fred and McTominay are together, because they're both defensive and attack the box to box, then not relying on either of them to just hold, like they can kind of dovetail it. And Fred's actually, Fred is not holding the field because Fred's at his best when he goes hunting for the ball. Fred is not yeah. great when he's like just having to sit and, put out fires almost he's more of a man who will go hunting and charge things down um especially like you saw it against wolves when people actually like when he's had a, a standing start and people are running at him he's can't really do much he, he's the one who goes running it then um I, i'd be interested to see mctominay i think mctominay's got a bit more uh, positional discipline in him although he's actually pretty decent with a shot and as a box-to-box just for that engine. I think he's probably got more... He has played centre-back for Scotland, as we know, so I think he's probably got a bit more discipline in him. So out of the two of them, I wouldn't mind seeing him maybe take on some responsibility that Burnham just trying to sit and maybe play him with Pogba. I don't... We haven't, have we seen McTominay and Pogba that often? I, do, I feel like that is a midfield combination we've seen the least of. I might be wrong on that, but it feels like we haven't seen it often and I wouldn't mind seeing it, especially like in a game... Okay, McTominay's not back, but in a game like Newcastle, you would think that McTominay and Pogba would be more than... Hell, hell to be fair, against Newcastle, you'd, a midfield two of Pogba and Bruno Fernandes would probably be fine. But, mm. yeah, it will be a problem going forward. I do worry, yes, we've got so much firepower up front, but what's the point in all this firepower if we can't pass it to them? Like, I think I, I was having this debate when we signed Ronaldo. Um, I said, if we had Ronaldo for that Southampton game, would the score have changed? And I don't think it does. It's just because we weren't creating chances in that game at all because we just weren't getting the ball forward very well. We weren't getting into attacking areas at all. So unless Ronaldo does something out of absolutely nothing, which he can do, obviously, but how often is he going to do that? Fairly often, I guess, but I just don't think the result changes even with him. So yeah, that's where I'm at. 
Oh, no, I disagree there. I think when you've got someone like Ronaldo in the box who will, you know, be be a target, not just a target man, but be draw people to him. He'll he'll create space for other players, and um, I I I think we'd have scored another goal in that game. We weren't even, if, if we, we weren't even getting the ball at the pitch. The last twenty minutes of that game was all in South, all in our half, basically. Southampton. Yeah, but it's it, it's the fear factor though, isn't it? You've got Ronaldo on the pitch. That's immediately in their minds. I don't know. I see. I feel like that's putting a lot on the aura of Ronaldo. And yeah, it is there, but I don't know. I can I can see games. Maybe the games they will get that winner, but then other games they'll just be become very frustrated about the lack of service and do that Ronaldo thing where he throws his arms by his side. We know another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stamps but, his feet. You know, yeah, I mean, not guy. coming back to. Coming back to McTominay, I do actually kind of agree with you there, Ron. I think that he can definitely uh, play that sitting, holding midfielder role if need be. And yeah, maybe we've not seen enough of him with uh, Pogba or somebody else over there. Um, I, I don't know how long he's out for now. He's had some kind of groin surgery, and that is a kind of problem there. I have seen the kind of far-out scenarios now thrown around. And people say, yeah, well, now that Varane comes in, obviously Lindelof gets relegated. But yeah, can Lindelof play defensive midfield? No. It has actually been mentioned before. I actually don't see why not, because I think he's pretty good on the ball. He shouldn't have that much issue of like playing the like disciplined role in front of the kind of defence. I mean, we haven't seen it, but yeah, from what I understand, it is something he has done in the past, but not for maybe a long time. I mean, I, I mentioned it in the in the WhatsApp group and... Ushwin made the point that that he's good on the ball when he's not got someone coming at him, and he's got those players in front of him. So, like, I sort of agree with that. I don't think he's got the attributes to do that role. To be quite honest, that just the physical attributes really. It's a totally different game as well. You read the game in a completely different way, defensive midfield and centre back. Um, yeah, it's 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 like I mean, it's not exactly chalk and cheese, but it's very it's it's very different. Just the way he'll have to get around the pitch, position himself in the right place. Like when you're at centre back, you've got that partner. When you're holding midfield, you don't have that partner to rely on. It's 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 vastly different. It's not just always oh, good at defending, so he can do it a bit in front. And yeah, he can pass, but no, not for me. I, I I'm a bit annoyed, a bit a bit tired of shoehorning players into positions that they're not used to either. Well, so yeah, exactly, exactly. We've got we've got plenty of midfielders. Play Van der Beek. Play play McTominay. Play I don't know. Matic if you have to, but don't shoehorn a player in. On McFred, I personally I think they have more good games than they have bad games. And actually, I I think with with the introduction of Varane, perhaps um, Ollie might be a bit more in, in adventurous when we are struggling and play another creative player as opposed to re- retaining the um, double pivot in the games where we're sort of struggling but knocking on the door at the same time. But yeah, look, as I said before, I think that now that we haven't had them, people should realise that we do miss McFred and that they are a good partnership, that, yeah, we know that they are deficient maybe on the creative side, but, you know, that kind of solid uh, midfield partnership that they give us, you know, it is valuable. And, you know, we had them for that first game of the season and smash leads, and after that we've not played as well at all. Um, so, yeah, I do hope McTominay is back available. But, yeah, at the same time, even though I kind of sometimes like thinking about things like Lindelof, I do agree that we shouldn't really be having to throw players like that around. And, you know, we do have other options. And, yeah, Van der Beek is still the one that, you know, these many games in has not had any game time. There was, again, rumours that he was 
wanted out because he wasn't having any chances. But yeah, he has stayed. Um, and I just hope, yeah, and as well, don't see as well why he can't play a more kind of defensive midfield role. It wouldn't be the same as the other players, how they do it. But we know that he's good on the ball. I don't see, whenever I've seen him play, I actually thought he was pretty good defensively. Uh, you know, it hasn't been that often, unfortunately, but the few times it happened, I thought he was pretty decent. And he's not small either. Sometimes you know, he's a six-foot player, and apparently, you know, he's been working on bulking up as well. So, yeah, look, I will really do want to see him get a chance if McTominay is out for longer. There's really no reason why he shouldn't be there when we've seen Fred is kind of struggling. And I am a fan of Fred, but he's not been good uh, for these couple of games and seems a bit lost without his partner in crime, uh, McTominay, there. Doesn't fit I, so I well have with a, anybody else. I know a reason why Van der Beek might not play midfield. Um, Ollie hates him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it does seem difficult now at this point to understand why he doesn't have any kind of minutes so far this season. And especially when he was one of those few players who had a full preseason and should be like, you know, fully fit and kind of ready to go. So for him not to have played at all is slightly weird now at this point. Um, so well, yeah, Apparently his agent has said they've got assurances that there's going to be, st- which I think is very odd. I think just, I don't know how you can give assurances to anyone for like, maximum playing time or whatever, especially when you've been on the fringes for so long. But apparently he's got assurances that there's going to be lots of game time that's not the League Cup, so we'll have to wait and see, I guess. I think Newcastle will be a, a great game to start him in, just because of how the standard of opposition. But yeah, go on, sorry, Ed. I get the impression that um, Ollie just says that to all players. Like, he's been saying it to Lingard, he's been saying it to um, Cavani, you know, just, you, yeah, you're going to play. He'll play 22 players if he could. He, played, he says it to all the players. He played 22 players, but then he actually only used one sub and the other two could come out of the time. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know. He, he, Ollie does like to... You are right. Ollie does like to say everyone's going to get minutes, but, I mean, currently, I don't know where Van der Beek's minutes come from. If he can't get on the pitch in the last couple of games, I would, I'm, he must get on the pitch against Newcastle. Must do. I can't, well, I can't I see mean, why he don't wouldn't. Don't forget now... Don't forget the cup games kick in now. So, you know, so far we've been one game a week. Now Champions League is going to start. Uh, we've got Villarreal, one of our early games. Then, yeah, um, West Ham as well. We've got in the League Cup. So, yeah, we're going to be playing a lot more matches and surely there'll be a lot of players getting minutes. But, you know, at the same time, that is he, it, well, should he be happy with only playing like these kind of cup games if it is what happens with Van Der Beek? You know, I, we want to see him get a chance in the league when our other midfield options are not delivering. Uh, so, you know, he will surely play in these cup matches, but is that enough? You know, we have to see how that pans out. Um, and yeah, we have to be pretty happy with our Champions League draw, right? Um, Villarreal, Atalanta, young boys, uh, far cry from what we had last year, which was essentially the group of death and we didn't come through it. Uh, there's no excuses this time, right, Ed, for getting through our Champions League group. Well, you'd hope not. You'd hope not. But we have lost to um, uh, Villarreal before, unfortunately. <laughs> we drew with them technically. Well, yeah, okay, we drew with them technically. And what? But the, you see, last season we only went out of the Champions League because we lost to Istanbul Besiktas here, if that's the way you say it. So obviously, there's no no, there's no excuses. But I'm not gonna say yeah, we're gonna smash the group because I've seen us not do it. 
no, I mean, yeah, for me, like this year, there is really no excuses. But yeah, we yeah. have to be coming through this group. Uh, you know, Villarreal are semi-decent. We should have still beaten them on the day. I think we were unlucky not to. Atalanta, we like, we've never played before that in, in my memory. Uh, and, you know, they've only become like a solid kind of Champions League club in the last few years, really. They were, you know, kind of mid-table or even like Serie B for a while. Uh, of course, we took um, Ahmad from them. So maybe he'll have like the inside track on some of their players. And then, yeah, the last team is Young Boys, who we have played just a few years back um, in the Europa League. So, yeah, should have some kind of idea. But, yeah, we should, we should. I mean, we should be winning this group, never mind getting through. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can't really. Although Atalanta was one of the most difficult teams we could have got from that third pot. I think we were pretty lucky to get Villarreal out of pot number one. It was weird this time, like pot number two looked a lot more scary than pot number one. And then there was quite a few big teams in pot number three as well. Uh, you know, pot number four was kind of, yeah, you didn't really mind if you came out of there. But yeah, it was kind of a bit strange how it all worked out. But yeah, look, now, as I say, as we go two times a week, all these players will surely get a shot, whether it's Lingard, Van der Beek, Dallo. That's when all of them have a chance and to see if they can come and try and hit, uh, pushing towards the first team. I do, I do think for Van der Beek, he's got to take his chance. He sort of, he got them a few times last season and then didn't really take it. Like he looked good, but he didn't look like he was going to displace anyone. No, I think that's totally fair. I think he was actually poor at the end of last season and a few chances he got, but he was often like thrown in and he didn't seem to have a lot of confidence. I did think he started last year pretty well. I remember like yeah. the start of last year being quite excited. He had uh, he scored a goal early on and there was a couple of times where he was well in move, involved in some good moves we had and then he just kind of disappeared and hardly had a chance after that. Um, and then, yeah, I think he lost confidence. You could definitely see in the chances he had towards the end of last year, he was not playing well and didn't really deserve to be in the team. Uh, you know, that's why there was a lot of rhetoric this summer saying he would come back kind of rejuvenated, going for his fitness and ready for a new season. But look, let's see we, you know, when the cup games go. Like I say, that's the time when the squad will get more used. Um, but yeah, look, I want to get some season predictions there because... We talked about it a little bit in earlier podcasts where I said until the transfer window closes and we see what happens, um, I don't didn't really want to put anybody on the spot. But yeah, now is that time. And yeah, I'll start with you, Imran. Where you know where are we going to finish in the league for a start? Mm, third. I got third. Uh, think City will probably win it again, as boring as that is. Um, and who's going to finish ahead of us in second? Chelsea or Paul, Liverpool, one of them. One of them won't do as well as they should. One of them will do as well as they should. And then we'll come nicely in third. Not by much. I think there won't be much in it, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, I think I just, Amifield worries me too much to be solid. And, and the thing is, nowadays, especially to challenge, you've got to be, you've, got to pre- you've pretty much got to win all your games or drop as very few points as possible. Um, and I don't know if we have a midfield that can allow us to do that, but, you know. Yeah, it is worth pointing out that you're always one of our mm-hmm. most negative uh, <laughs> whenever we do any kind of Listen, predictions you... and things like that. You're always you're always on the glass half-empty side of things, well, right? Well, if I predict third and we finish second, I'm happy. If I predict third and we finish first, I'm elated. So, you know, can only can only go <laughs> up. 
And uh, Ed, I remember that you were actually really bullish about our chances last year. And in fact, you weren't that far off. And a lot of people actually laughed when you said we were going to come second last year. And we did come second. Um, And, you know, surely our squad is hell of a lot stronger now than it was this time last year. So if you thought we were coming second last year, surely you think we're winning the league, right? My heart says we are. My head says second again. Oh, it's it's a very tight top of the league this year. C- City have improved. And Chelsea, Chelsea look like they're coming together under um, Tuchel. So, I um, they're, they're certainly ones to be wary of. Yeah, um, I could even end up third really, but no. Um, head head says second, heart says first. I mean, I. I do understand like where your wealth's coming from, but I look, we came second last year. Our squad is so much stronger now. And for me, we have solved our two main issues. Uh, you know, I've said all season last year that my biggest issue with the team was Lindelof. I did think he was a big weak point and that we needed to improve centre back because we gave away so many awful goals, especially in set pieces and other times. And you know, Varane is such a massive, massive step up from Lindelof and then yeah you know I we needed one more creative player uh, who can play on the right side Sancho's come in not seen him be amazing yet but yeah I think that he will give us that bit of extra creativity in that times when we were struggling to maybe just break out the odd team uh, so like, I, I if I had to really put my money on it I would probably still say second but I think that we will push all the way this year to be yeah. top of the league uh, I do understand people's issues around the midfield. I think if Fred and McTominay stay fit for most of the year, that that is still a good enough midfield with all the other options we have to win us the league. But yeah, as I say at the moment, he's not fit. McTominay, and we see that there is a bit of then a problem over there. Uh, so yeah, we'll see where that runs out. I mean, I've thrown this out in the rest of our podcast group and had various other predictions thrown out. I think uh, David and Calder is now massively bullish and uh after being like Ole in Ole out around this time last year he now thinks <laughs> Ole is ready to win the league and then yeah again there's been I think Craig said second maybe Oshwin said third but yeah I think that is one of the things that we already said on previous podcasts that the problem is that there is four teams who are very very strong this year and I think there won't necessarily be that much between them. And it could just be a few games here and there that makes the difference. I mean, you could play really well and still end up coming fourth. Uh, just, you know, there is a big, big, like, gap then to the next teams after that. Uh, I think City, you know, they've not bought in a striker after going for Kane, going for Ronaldo and, like, failing over there. So, yeah, they, that is definitely a deficiency in their squad. Um, is it they didn't play a striker for their push all the way to the title last season pretty much for the second half of the season didn't play a striker and they did fine they scored they only really struggle in those games like that game against Spurs at the beginning of the season where just nothing happens but they're few and far between for them they can just work their way around it I I still think they can't it will be an issue for them over there Um, but yeah look like I said I I think they they are still rightly the favourites uh, mm. If you look at the bookies' odds, they've got it down as City first, Chelsea second, and they've got Liverpool just ahead of us. Only it depends where you look. Some of them have got a pretty much equal 
third stroke fourth with Liverpool and then there's a massive massive gap down like five times like I think it goes from like kind of seven you get around six to one on United or Liverpool and then you get 30 to one on Spurs uh, and then after that it's even like a hundred to one and I think and what about what about like Arsenal Arsenal, <laughs> Arsenal two, 250 to one <laughs> two, oh, yeah, that's yeah, two, I was just I was I was looking at the odds earlier, and in fact, at the moment, Brighton and Hove Albion, the bookies say, are more likely to be winning the league than Arsenal. Um, that's that's where <laughs> Arsenal stock is right now. Uh, yeah, you know, sleeping giants. Much lower, really. <laughs> yeah, Arteta's got Arteta's got them right where they want them. Don't you? You'll see. You'll all see. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, look, like I say, the bookies have us around third throw fourth. I think we are going to outperform that, and I would expect us to be second, pushing to first. Uh, I, I do think, you know, first depends on City obviously not being as strong as they had been last year. So yeah, we'll see how that goes over there for them. Um, yeah, we'll keep this out there. See, I want to hear like predictions from some of the other listeners out there as we go as well. Uh, before we round off, I do want to throw out and just talk about uh, the Newcastle game a bit. But yeah, do want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Manscaped, who actually yeah just said they want to keep pushing and sponsoring us till the end of the year. So you'll be hearing the Manscaped blurb for the rest of this year at least. Uh, but yeah, Manscaped, all our regular listeners know you will have heard it time and time again. But yeah, 40 years back, our friends at Manscaped are here with a masterclass to get you ready for this new season. The leaders in men's grooming have done it again and just launched their fourth generation performance package. Included is their new lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. The 4.0er will have even Paris Saint-Germain jealous of your well-groomed package. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the new performance package 4.0 by going to manscaped.com and you get 20% off with the code UNITEDHOUR. And uh, yeah, this thing is now available to anyone in the EU, uh, UK, which of course is not EU anymore, uh, USA, Canada, uh, Australia, and uh, South Africa and Singapore are all on the list. So yeah, anyone listening in any of those places, head over to manscaped.com and use United Hour for your 20% off. So yeah, back to just rounding off with a bit of looking at the next game up, which will be Newcastle. They've not had a good start to the season. One point from three matches. Uh, I think they were a bit unlucky not to win their last game against Southampton. Actually did better against Southampton than we did the week before. Um, but yeah, the, the, this Newcastle ticket now is all of a sudden a super hot ticket. Um, I'm not going to that game. You going to that game, Imran? Yep, I'll be there. I've had so many people now because of the whole Ronaldo thing asking for this ticket. And I've actually seen some ridiculous kind of figures going around on like Facebook ticket groups where people are asking like five times face value just because everybody's, yeah, everybody's thinking Ronaldo's over there. Um, I, I, well, it, that, you know, this is what it brings. And that is why the club have bought in Ronaldo. It is for that extra kind of media. It is for the marketing. Uh, I mean, for me, Oh, you know, last year we had all those Glazer protests and everything, and we lost sponsors. You know, there was somebody who pulled out of a deal. It was like My Protein, who was supposed to be training kit sponsors. Uh, so at the moment, there's nobody on the training ground or on the training kit. And I think that is the reason why the club pushed and were happy to do this kind of Ronaldo deal, because they know now that there's going to be commercial partners lining up to work with the club again. Uh, I mean, I know everybody, most of the fans are still happy and are thinking about it more from a footballing point of view. 
But you do have to ask, like, did we really need a striker? Um, but yeah, look, I'm still happy that Ronaldo comes in. I know, Eddie, as well, you were the one who expressed a few doubts uh, about Ronaldo, whereas I think everybody else was just in kind of party mode. Um, but yeah, let's see if he may. I don't actually expect him to start this game. Uh, I don't know about you, Imran. Are you expecting to turn up at Old Trafford and Ronaldo is starting straight away next week? I think Ole will go against type and actually start him. Ole doesn't usually start our summer signings in their first games. I don't, and I'm pretty sure he hasn't, apart from Maguire and Wambisaka, but they were both they both had lots of games beforehand. But then Ronaldo just played for Portugal, came off the bench of Juventus, so I think he'll have that match fitness. And I think because Sancho didn't wasn't great, it's fair to say in the last game, I think he might mm. drop out and Ronaldo will come in. So I actually do think he'll start and he'll probably score a goal, oh. boy, because that's what Ronaldo does. He scores goals, so. Yeah, and he's pretty much a, a wonderful opponent for him as well in Newcastle, who I think if you were to judge the happiness, that if there was like a graph of happiness of the Premier League, I think Newcastle are probably bottom along with Arsenal probably as the most unhappy. I think it's hard to to beat that. So I think they're in a bad place. And, you know, I can see a smash in them, to be honest with you. I, wouldn't, I would not be surprised if this is Bruce's last game in charge. Interesting. That's a good, uh, interesting prediction to throw out. Uh, you expecting a similar hammering, Ed? Uh, 2-0, Ronaldo goal. 2-0? He'll, he'll substi- yeah, he'll be substituted on he'll, for the ovation. That's why. He'll be substituted on for the ovation, the theatrics. Yeah, I actually do not expect Ronaldo to start this game. I just think that there's you know so many other players who've been waiting to play and have not played, like even, you know, Cavani has not started a game yet. But yeah, it, it will be interesting and it'll tell us a lot about where Ole sees Ronaldo, where Ole sees Cavani. Uh, you know, I think later on the pecking order will be clear and Ronaldo will play more. Although I do not expect him to play week in, week out as you do, Imran. Uh, you know, he's not getting any, he's still a top, top player, obviously, but I don't think he's can play like twice a week. Uh, you know, he'll definitely get his minutes managed here and there. And yeah, maybe we'll see him start games and play like an hour and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I would expect him to come in as substitute. I expect us to win this game comfortably. Uh, so let's say I'll throw out a 3-0 prediction on it. Um, but yeah, it, it will tell us a lot about where Ole's at, um, whether he's thrown straight in. That will be one of the interesting things to see as it goes over there. But yeah, we're all expecting a win, right? And yeah, you've got that golden ticket in run, so you'll be ready to sing in all your Ronaldo songs. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be the one with the Ronaldo face mask. <laughs> um, I think I'm sure there'll I'm sure there'll be a few of those around in the stadium. Uh, uh, I, I think we'll go I think I generally I'm going six one. I think we'll absolutely batter them. They're in a bad they're in a bad right. moment. And I think uh the stars are aligning for us to hammer them, especially after the last two games where we weren't as good as we were against Leeds. So I can see being back at Old Trafford, high atmosphere. Yeah, I can see us absolutely, absolutely tearing them to pieces. All right, fingers crossed you're right. And as I say, you're normally the negative one. So yeah, you've thrown out a 6-1 prediction that shows you even you got that Ronaldo fever at the moment. I mean, uh, like what, over here. what are Newcastle going to do in this game? They're going to sit back, they're going to defend, right? I think we all know that. And I just don't think they're very good at it. So I just don't see how we we don't punish them. No, I think, yeah, we're all expecting a win. Uh, we never seem to do things as easily as could be. But, uh, yeah, let's hope it does happen on this time. And, yeah, we'll be back 
after that Newcastle game with a review of that. And yeah, you will hear us weekly for the rest of this season. Do please go and hit us up on Twitter. And yeah, we we were a bit slow on it, but we are still on Facebook, Instagram, and that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, you can join the discussion over at Red Cafe. Uh, so yeah, I think that's rounding up everything for this week. We one, one uh, more. go on, pa- go on. Pa- patrons get to join in for one pound a month in our um, game chats that we have every every game. And thank Good. you guys to the ones still supporting us. Good point, Ed. Good point, Ed. Yeah, I forgot about shouting out to the Patreon guys. Yeah, we are on Discord match day chat uh, every match day. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to hear the live views of some of the podcasters, then, yeah, sign up on Patreon and you'll get the link to join in on the Discord over there. And, yeah, that's good night from me. Cheers. Yeah, good night. Podcast Network.